Live. Live on. Live on set. And welcome to the season five finale of Live on Set. Live on Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. A majority of this season has been a little bit of the friends, a little bit of the family category. And I think only one person that I can legitimately say I met along the way. But ending season five with the straight up fam category, coming back for, I think, the fifth or sixth time at this point, my cousin, Ryan. Ryan Kehoe is back on set. Ryan, how are you? Good, good. That, this is at least six because I was already a member of the five, five-time club. Okay. Yes, no, definitely two episodes in season one. I think the season two finale, two times in season four. Math isn't my strong suit. It's at least, it's at, this has got to be at least six. So, yeah. No, thank you for not only coming back on the show. This is your first time since this magic moment, which I'll recap all your appearances here quickly for the listeners if they haven't listened to all your appearances or you're just finding this episode along the way. But coming in solid, I had a, two of my really good friends who I'll see later the day that we're recording this, but had some scheduling conflicts and some flight delays. So you are helping me out big time. So you've been on a finale before you have been on a season opener before. So this is going to be a great conversation as the previous five plus times have been. But like I said, to sort of finish up my intro here, this has been at least the sixth time that Ryan has been on the show. We have talk Star Wars, we have talked NBA, sports, TV, everything. Uh, but the last time you were on, we talked Disney's, I guess I can say Disney Plus's hit show, Obi-Wan. I know that was a big uh, deal. Obviously, anything Star Wars related that Disney Plus puts out is always a big deal. We That was the, the main segment, if you will, of that episode. But then also we live on set live, the Orlando Magic's pick of Paolo Bancaro, how we can say, I know as you as a UNC person, I know how you feel privately and publicly about anyone that has had any sort of ties to Duke or if they've been successful after they left. But I think our 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 uh, emotions or direct feedback the night that happened, we were wrong on Paolo because he's been great for us. But uh, no 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 not wrong. Okay. He's gonna win rookie of the year and I still hate him. Okay. So I appreciate your, your friendship and, and your honesty, but I, I think we lucked into a situation where based on the other two people that were in contention for that pick, one of them hasn't played because he got hurt in a pro-am. The other person, you know, Jabari Smith, who up until about 10 minutes before the draft, almost halfway through our recording of the Obi-Wan segment, <laughs> was going to be coming to Orlando. And then obviously, you know, that has changed. So. And he's supposed to be doing fine, right? I, I, I yeah, will give he's me fine. Give, give me the guy with the torn ACL over the Duke guy any day. Oh my god! I don't I don't care if the team's worse. Oh my god! So not that is not the first Duke player that we've drafted uh, in in period, but in the first round, I think it was probably the first one we had drafted since JJ Redick. But definitely. But we have a couple of Duke players on the team with with both Wendell, who's back tonight, and and Paolo, but. I forgot about Wendell Carter. There's a solid chance Bull Bull's just better than the guy from Gonzaga. Chet Holmgren? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a solid chance Bulbul's just better than him forever. You know, I think that's definitely some we have seen a lot of Bulbul this season, and I'm glad that we were able to get him. And it makes me think about all of the trades in the Weltman Hammond era that we have just completely fleeced the other team. And it is great from a fan standpoint to see those trades, free agency moves, et cetera, pay off, whether it's picks in return, players in return, good contracts, bad contracts. We have really emerged in a way uh, that we have not been able as a, you know, from a fan base, been able to experience for quite some time, but bowl bowl, the Markel deal was great. What we gave up in return for, for him, but the bowl bowl trade, what we got for him, which was a future second round pick or cash considerations after another trade that he was involved with previously would have sent him to Detroit, that didn't work out or Boston that didn't work out or something. And we ended up getting, you know, bowl bowl, but. And they won the, they won the Vooch trade too. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, my magic fandom is just scarred from years of giving up Ben Wallace uh, <laughs> after he was excellent as a rookie, uh, trading away Trevor Ariza and have him win like multiple championships for other teams. Um, trading uh, Oladipo for Ibaka was a disaster. Uh, so just all of those. Yep. Plus like 17 more that I'm not even thinking about sure. at the moment. Trading for Doug Christie? Doug Christie was a name that I should have maybe thought was a chance was going to come up here, but was not a name that I've thought in quite some time, who (laughs) is Sacramento King royalty. but Royalty, and we traded for him, and he was done. Cooked, (laughs) fully, fully cooked, burnt, over. Probably slightly less cooked than the version of Patrick Ewing that we got, but at the end of the day, you know, we still got Patrick Ewing, which was just tough. But there, there are a lot of moves that have been made historically that we are incapable of forgetting. But I'm happy about how the team looks right now and maybe how the team will look over the next month here. You know, we're, we're beating teams, convincingly beating teams that are not just playoff teams, but are the best in their division, you know, at least record-wise with the Celtics, you know, beating them twice in Boston, which was huge. But we are really putting ourselves in a position to, at least between now and the end of the season, if we keep this up, to be on, have our games televised on channels that are not Valley Sports. <laughs> Kurt Goldsberry put out one of his uh, offensive efficiency versus defense efficiency graphs this morning. Yeah. Uh, and the Magic were one of the few teams in the positive on both. Uh, both axes, positive offensive efficiency and positive defensive efficiency, which is which is great. Better than teams named the Warriors and right. other teams that are supposed to be good. Right. So far, the Magic have beat Steph. The Magic have not lost at home to the Warriors since 2016 or 2017, which is crazy. Crazy. And, uh, that sounds not believable. I promise you, I am correct. But with that being said, Papa John's is not prepared for the amount of half-off pizza that they're going to be selling out with this magic win promo code. And 
which is, you know, great for, for not just, um, you know, Papa John's to get the name out there, but also it's not like they need the publicity, but you know, the magic fan base that are taking advantage of that, but you know, we'll see. It's a very exciting time. 15 years since I had a Papa John's pizza, at least. Really? At least. Before I don't know. I don't know if we have them here. Oh, that's not in, no, that's, uh, that's definitely North Carolina. No, no, that, no, I'm sure we do. I just don't know where one is. There's and, definitely. Yeah, I I I don't think I've had one since college. I was going to say multiple, multiple, multiple times. Papa John's promos uh, when I was at High Point for when Carolina would win because they didn't specify the zip code. So I was all up on that. <laughs> Uh, just because of the consistency. Were you getting the biscuits too when we scored 100 points in basketball games? No, no. Which is probably something that I I don't want to say I would have cashed in on that because there was a place, one of my favorite places. I have like a- Oh, you went to Biscuitville. No, Biscuitville I'd never been to. I went to Biscuit Factory. There was, Biscuitville was a chain. Biscuitville, or Biscuitville I had never been to. A good friend of mine in high school whose mom I think was, worked for Biscuitville on the corporate side. I had never been i never been inside the loyalty that I drew blood oaths, if you will, uh, between Biscuit Factory, Biscuit Factory, BFAC, and on occasion, not to get too emotional and too personal with you, Bojangles and how we don't have any in Florida. And I think they're coming back, but it, it is a occasion for late biscuit is a delicacy that we should really sit down and talk about if we had to do an expansion draft or anything that came from... <laughs> fast food, anything that do a drive through what seed the Cajun filet biscuit would be. But I can assure you it's going on a deep run. I can tell you that. Dad used to drive to Altamont Springs just to go to the Bojangles up there sometimes. Of course. Of course. I think the when I had graduated High Point, there were either, I think, 11 or 12 Bojangles in the state of Florida. And the person that was the franchisee for those had sold them all. And the closest one to us was at that Altamont exit. And I saw something in November that they were either coming back and there was going to be one in like Sanford or a or something. And they were hoping to get more back in the game, but good for them. Good for them. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hit. Cajun filet biscuit is a delicacy, as I said, but great to talk a little bit of sports and a little bit of, fast food or Bojangles, any opportunity that I have to throw Bojangles in there to raise awareness, you know, and just for a second, before we go on the fact that there's not a cookout in the state of Florida, that could be a whole other conversation. Uh, we would be printing money out of our own home, but any college campus, you'd never work again, but about, it's not about me. So the topic slash main segment that I had originally planned for my friends who I will see later was game of Thrones slash house of the dragon. So when I was trying, I looked at the guests who were on this season, the guests of people that have been on finales, it was a no-brainer. And I was like, let me get Ryan on the show because you are legitimately the person that showed me Game of Thrones. Now, I don't know if I've said this before you take over because I just want to, you. I will agree with it because this is how it happened. I did not start Game of Thrones when it first came out. I was not aware there were books. I was not aware of, of the pop culture phenomenon that it was. When I started watching it, when it would have been quote unquote live, it would have been season three. So the first two seasons that you had on DVD, I was trying to get you to, you were home for something in between, I'm not sure if it was law school or whatever was going on, but I wanted to go see Prometheus in theaters for a second time. And you said, I'm not going with you to do this. And I kept asking you and you said, 
I will go with you if you watch Game of Thrones. I said, how many episodes do I have to watch? And you said 20. And I said, fine. <laughs> so we watched the two first two seasons of, of Game of Thrones, and you, which you clearly would have already seen at the time. But the two seasons of Game of Thrones within a you know week to 10 day span, and we went to go see Prometheus, which I wanted to see in a, in a real regular theater, but ended up being, and I can thank you and, and, and looking back on this, the last time I ever went to the Dollar Theater in Colonia, because that's where it was the only place it was showing at the time, which you know we got to see. So I want to thank you because Game of Thrones is one of the best shows I'll ever watch. But also, do you remember that was the only way you'd see Prometheus? Do you remember that? That's that's exactly what I was about to say. Was I think I had to promise to go see a terrible movie with you to get you to watch Game of Thrones. Prometheus was awful, and I've never seen the second one. Oh my gosh. Uh, just an absolute waste of Charlize Theron and Idris Elba and Numi Rapace and whoever else is in that movie. So Horrendous beautiful. movie. I stand by uh, the fact that Prometheus still to this day, I had this conversation yesterday with my, with my friend because James Cameron was talking about three movies that had been released post the first Avatar and Way of the Water that came out last week. Of There were three movies that he was not tied to that effectively got the best out of like 3d or imax or whatever and it was hugo prometheus and something else it might have been one of the avengers films or something and Hugo's i stand weird. by the i had never seen it and fun it's fact weird. about that movie scorsese wanted to make a movie that one of his kids could actually watch and so that's why he did it i still haven't seen it but no, I, I stand by the fact that prometheus is one of the best trailers of the past decade i love the movie i bought it on my ipad which is a more reflection of me and how I spend my money. But the second one, Alien Covenant, it was, it was a little bit of a, a not great for me. This is a huge aside, but speaking of trailers, I saw a headline this morning that Universal uh, is getting sued by a group of fans of Ana de Armas. Yes, yes, yes. Over the movie yesterday. Yes. For, like millions of dollars yes. because they put her in the trailer and then cut her out of the movie. Uh, so they, uh, these people rented the movie on Amazon, uh, like to specifically to watch her. And so they're, they're suing universal, uh, which seems kind of crazy, but the the trailer is definitely an advertisement. And if you advertise a star actor or actress in your movie, and then they're not in it, that does seem problematic. Yeah. I pulled up the thing my friend sent me and said the three movies that had come out since the first Avatar, in his opinion, that the 3D uh, was used effectively um, was Life of Pi, Hugo, and Prometheus. So I've never seen Life of Pi. Angley, I like that but I've never seen Life of Pi. Yeah. So I read about that, and it, yes, that's the movie yesterday, and she's in a deleted scene that they – it's like the Himish Patel who plays the main character in Yesterday – goes on the late late show with james corden and she's the other guest that's on the panel and she is all up in that official trailer 100 and i was talking i'm not sure if it's with, with, with you or another one of my friends i was like imagine if they had a movie i think i brought up like hitchcock or something about psycho and how spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie from 1960 um <laughs> but that if how the main character, the main female character in the movie that does not survive past the first third of the movie. And I said, what if there was a huge big budget 
blockbuster movie like a Star Wars or Marvel or something where they featured someone in the trailer that you think was going to be a big part of it and they just straight up weren't in the movie or they were just gone within seconds. There's one. Yeah, there's one of the the like table mainstays of my childhood. Patrick Swayze movie. And I'm going to blank on the name where um, an airplane has been hijacked and -hmm. they have to like infiltrate the airplane in midair to to like defeat the hijackers Mm -hmm. and i think it's sylvester stallone is he's one of he's got to be one of the top billed actors in the movie but he dies in like the third minute of the movie like 12 minutes in and he dies and and stallone dies uh so like you could easily have signed up to see that movie and uh for Stallone and he's just not in the movie yeah 90 percent of the time interesting yeah no I mean this is definitely something that people definitely have to be you know more aware of that this you know these two people that did it are definitely getting a paycheck like what, what like whatever they're suing for they're definitely going to get and they you know they sided with them which is which is crazy but with with Game of Thrones and I want to talk a lot about House of, House of the Dragon here as well. Did you watch Game of Thrones from week one, episode one, when it first started? Yes, uh, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my uh, Game of Thrones came out when I was in law school. And one of my friends had been into the book since the beginning. Since okay. I think the, the book, A Game of Thrones, is published in like 96 okay. or 98. It's a long time ago now. Yeah. And he'd been into them from the beginning. Um, so he organized a watch party at his house for our like close group of friends, maybe yeah. six or eight of us or whatever. So I was in from the jump. I think I picked up the first book probably between like episodes three and four or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd finished the first book before episode nine of the first season. Cause I listened to it on audiobook. Yeah. And that summer was the summer book five came out. So I, I finished all five books on audiobook between season one starting and the end of that summer that was 2011 it's 2022 and he hasn't published book six since uh and there was a headline the other week that he still has 500 pages to go um which means he's half done it took him 11 years to write half the next book yeah Uh, he's already published like six chapters from this book which is most, so that's most of what he's written already. Mm -hmm. So basically he's made no progress in like the last eight years or something. Um, Is it because of the success that's gone to his head? Like Like, I'm already this huge celebrity. I just don't want to spend the time to, is it, is it writer's block? No, no, no. I I think there's two, I think there's two things. One, he does a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. So like he's not just writing book number six. Like he's heavily involved in the development of House of the Dragon. He like he the he wrote Fire and Blood, the book House of the Dragon is based on in this period too. Yeah. 
but it's also I think he made it too complicated in in book book number five. So it's probably I think it's the end of season six of the TV show, um, right? Because there's eight seasons of the TV show. Yes. Yeah. So I think the end of season six is the end of book number five. The characters are aren't moving closer together. Yeah. So he's it's it's still very like he's got to figure out how to bring all the characters together in a way that doesn't seem contrived yeah Uh, and so i think that's that's the hard part because that was one of the things the tv show didn't do a great job of they just kind of like snapped their fingers and all the characters were in king's landing or winterfell or wherever yep that's 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 the book but so i was big into the show big from from day one and you know obviously mildly disappointed in the last last couple seasons but uh i could definitely rewatch uh, up until Jon snow dies in the tv show spoiler yeah. alert yeah i look back and remember how quickly we got through the first two seasons and the reason behind why we did it. But when it came to the hype was very real on the show and I just hadn't, you know, thought of getting into it. And it wasn't because at the time, the only actors on the show that I would have known would have been at the time, you know, Sean Bean and Peter Dinklage. So um, Eddard Stark and, and Tyrion Lannister. But with that being said, getting into it, I was all in. You know, I'm going into it where the gap between us seeing Prometheus and being done with the first two seasons and then season three of that show coming out, it would have been like just months wait. It wouldn't have been like a, a year between seasons ending and beginning. And I remember the hype of, you know, between eight fifty nine and 9 o'clock being on Twitter to retweet Quiet in the Realm or talking about it or talking about it with friends and this whole Game of Thrones craze with the whole, with social media being so massive and how quickly spoilers get out, but how you see fan reactions and how big the show is. It was a show that I will solely align with, solely align with not checking anything online Sunday night between nine and 10 o'clock. If something came up, be at school work, something where it just flat out just was not an option. And I don't have a show like that since then because of game of Thrones Game of Thrones to me, 2011 going forward, it's not like there just have been other shows that were not maybe as big or as, I don't want to say as big, but as loved or, or have that many big of a fans because streaming is so big now when people were tuning in to watch it at nine o'clock every Sunday night. It was the first show where if you didn't watch it live on Sunday night, you couldn't be on the internet until you watched it right you you couldn't go on twitter facebook instagram like google like you couldn't be on the internet if you hadn't watched it or you were going to have the episode spoiled for you there was just no way around it because everybody was everybody was so into it right um and talking about streaming versus like i think house of the dragon House of the Dragon, uh, I guess we'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw my, my opinion out there. It didn't, the, the beginning of the season 
wasn't as strong as the beginning of the se- like the first season of Game of Thrones. Yep. Uh, there's no like pushing Bran out the window at the end of the first episode, um, like crazy wild factor like that that uh, Game of Thrones had in the first episode. But uh, House of the Dragon definitely didn't get as like didn't get the same level of like societal attention because it was on at the same time as Lord of the Rings. And uh, I think two Disney plus shows, they had a a Marvel and a, and a star Wars going. Yeah. Yeah. uh, If if memory serves. Um, So house of the dragon definitely had to share the streaming wars with other like major IP properties. And, and I think you're 100% right, because when Game of Thrones started, it was HBO Go. It wasn't HBO Max. It was HBO Go. And multiple times when streaming sort of picked up, HBO Go would crash for True Detective. It would oh, crash yeah. for Game of Thrones. And now with House of the Dragon, I was looking at some stuff after finishing the season, just before I ask you your opinion on some things, is... The first episode of The House of the Dragon, it broke the amount of ratings and viewers for the first episode of the show, and rightfully so. I mean, you look at Game of Thrones as one of the biggest, if not the biggest show of all time, at least of our lifetime. And you take a show like House of the Dragon, which is going to be the the, the second version of this world, granted it's set 170, 150 plus years prior to what we've already seen, the eight seasons that we already have as, as an audience. And I completely get the appeal and the want and the need for more of that world but i agree with you with how it either would have started out slow or wouldn't have been great early on but i want to just think and ask your opinion with my first sort of house of the dragon official question to you if you did not watch game of thrones because we've talked about star wars so many different times of like what we currently have now out in the world at our disposal as a member of as a fan of the galaxy and and, and the fan of of what you know, that George Lucas created world and what has spun off from it. Where you could go back in time and watch things in order to see what it was like for how it would kind of all plan out. If you showed me House of the Dragon first, I think it's the best, one of the best things ever because I don't know what happens in Game of Thrones. Like if I'm watching it because of how early it is, when I see various things, I would be like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's not like I don't enjoy House of the Dragon, which I do, it is a good show. But I think there's some some pressure that's there, unwanted or just benefit of the doubt sort of situation of we have eight seasons of what is one of the best things ever in a world that this show is House of the Dragon is existing in. There's some storylines or some similarities that we're seeing in this that we've already seen before. But whereas if I started with House of the Dragon first, I would have been like, this is incredible. This is every this is everything. So I think House of the Dragon definitely benefits from being the second show and carrying over, you know, a chunk of the audience from the first show. Yeah. Because House of the Dragon doesn't have to explain what the fa- Targaryen family is trying to, it, like, what they see as their destiny. Right. Everybody knows what it is because we watched Arya kill the kill the white walker kill the night king right so if if house of the dragon was the first show there would there would have to be a lot more explanation uh it would be hard to have 
like it would it would be hard to feel the stakes of the prophecy of what of what they see as their destiny if we didn't already know what the White Walkers were. Right. Uh, so if the White Walkers were absent from the show, the stakes might not feel like they're there. But the House of the Dragon has oddly like a, some of the problems of late season Game of Thrones, but then some of the uh, excellence of early season Game of Thrones, where there are episodes of the show that are too fast. Yeah, like the plot goes too quickly, um, and there are episodes of the show that are like in the minutia of like the entire episode is like eight hours or 12 hours of universe in universe time. And they're mm-hmm. so good, which is the, the reverse ironically of the Lord of the Rings show where seven episodes are like in the weeds of these, of the characters lives. And then one episode is just way too fast. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that house of the dragon is like a solid B plus to me, uh, particularly because the first seven episodes, uh, well, so the last two episodes are immaculate. Uh, the last two episodes are perfect where it's the same day, basically for two, the two different factions and you get to see both sides playing the, the game of Thrones. Those two episodes are great. Yeah, they didn't pull off the time jump in the middle of the season. Well, I didn't think. I don't particularly like the the portrayal by uh, the actress who plays older Allison Hightower. Yeah, I, I, she didn't. She didn't uh, do it for me as far as like I don't know that that casting just seemed wrong. She that character. Uh, they try to make her like kind of naive, but also mean, but also they tried to have that character pulled too many directions and, and they needed, I, that character either needs to be Cersei or in over her head. Uh, and they tried to like do both and have her be somewhere in the middle. And that, so that didn't, that didn't work for me. But it, they're still dragons, so it's at least to be B plus. I was reading the actress who plays Olivia Cook, who plays uh, Allison, the the older version, time jump version. She's in a lot of other stuff, and she's great. And I think she's great. But I agree with you in the sense of, from a character standpoint, you know, she's had a lot that has happened in the five plus episodes or four five plus episodes that she's in, right? But I was reading some information. That's when I saw about like how many views the first thing got and all those different things. The actress who plays Rhaenyra and the actress who plays Allison when they're older, if they flipped, I think that'd be tremendous. Because she actually, Olivia Cook, who plays Allison, had originally auditioned for Rhaenyra. Time jump, Rhaenyra. And I think that the actress who plays Rhaenyra, she can be more Cersei. I think she can be more you know, identify with evil and really knock that down in a way is like Cersei at times was one of the, if not the most unlikable characters, but so amazing at it that the lows of lows that Joffrey was as obviously 
what he, what he did and how good of an actor he was is is can be talked about <laughs> in, in its in, in its own way. But one of my biggest takeaways of House of the Dragon is that if the actress who played Rhaenyra and the actress Olivia Cook who plays um, Allison, if they flip spots, I think the show would be so much better. And it's already the show is good to begin with. That's interesting. I thought Emma Darcy was good as Rhaenyra. Yeah, um, she is. She is. She is. And I don't think it's necessarily on Olivia Cook for the portrayal. I, I think the like writing of that character isn't. They needed to pick uh, a lane. Like they needed to pick a personality for that character. And like in one episode, she's willing to like go all out to to uh, protect her children. Like right. she wants the king to cut out his grandson's eye because her son's eye got got cut out. Correct. Uh, Correct. But then in, the, in like two episodes later, she's very forgiving to Rhaenyra. And, but then uh, in another episode, she's like a- almost trying to be sly with Larry Strong and like have his, his dad and brother murdered, but then like doesn't, is upset that he does it. I don't know. She, that character would be better if it was either Cersei or someone who's like in over her head and making mistakes and making things worse. Yeah. That would feel like way more tragic to me than what we're, what we got out of, out of Allison in season one. Yeah. Um, While we're on the acting performances, everybody who works at the golden globe should be fired (laughs) uh, for Patty Considine, not getting nominated and put Matt Smith in everything. Yeah, no, I mean, he, as, you know, his role of Viserys, you know, great, obviously. And he is someone where the success of the first show, I think, played a little bit in the the sense of that actors who were cast from day one on House of the Dragon, there were a couple of more people that I think people in the audience would just straight up recognize. Where for Game of Thrones, when that started, you had, um, you know, Sean Bean, Peter Dinklage, Lena Headley, and for an extent, you know, Charles, was it Dance or Vance who played Tywin? You know, those Charles people, Dance. Charles Dance that you just, you know, kind of recognize there. Whereas now, and then obviously all the people that were on that show for, that were on it for the long, and then Aiden Gillian a little bit, you know, for, for uh, Bayless Littlefinger. But for this show here, Olivia Cook, I knew who she was going in. I knew who Olivia Cook uh was you know olivia cook's father on the show for any fans of uh, sport I, films of all time yeah uh, for the replacements but uh i've been i i've been on the reese eifens train since notting hill and i just watched where, Notting Hill for the first time last plays, month it's one of the best the films in my entire incredible. life he's incredible absolutely incredible iconic iconic and also get a little bit of uh two rounds of, of uh Spider-Man money when it comes to the uh, MCU as well. So, but those, there, I think there were more people that you would recognize just from previous work that were on this show and rightfully so. But then, you know, Patty, who plays Viserys has been in a number of films that I've seen and he's, you know, great. He can do comedy, he can do drama as well. But I, I haven't, because I just watched episodes eight, nine, and 10 yesterday, yesterday, because I was watching it in preparation for this episode. and. 
the one takeaway that I have here is the amount of money that HBO has invested when it comes to incest is insane. Because for us, <laughs> because for us in in the audience, you're like at this point after Game of Thrones, when it comes to uh, when it comes to House of the Dragon, I guess we're okay with it, which says more about us. We, I think it's we just, it's table stakes at this point. We just know, all right. There's two Targaryens. They're both kind of attractive. They're gonna have sex. Sure. Like it just, we just know what's gonna happen in in a Game of Thrones property. I was reading a uh, an article on the Ringer this morning that was uh, like matching book recommendations to the streaming shows from 2022. Yep. Uh, and the first line, the first sentence about the uh, the House of the Dragon one was, "It's hard to find a book centered around incest." Yep. Which may be funny. And the the recommendation was Mistborn, which is a great book. Everybody should read Mistborn. Go but, ahead. Yep. Yeah. No, the the incest thing is it's always weird. Every time it happens on the screen, we know it's going to happen, uh, and yeah, we're going to have. I think, I think they've said there's going to be five seasons, so we're going to have four more seasons of incest. There's going to be more incest in this show than Game of Thrones for sure. I I, I fear you're right, and it's not going to. Oh, I'm definitely us. right. Cersei and Jamie are apart for like three whole seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And Daenerys doesn't start hooking up with Jon until the second to last season. Right. Uh, Matt Smith and Emma Darcy are going to be hooking up in every season of the show unless one of them dies. Yeah. Which is possible, but. Right. Right. And and they've all wed like their children to their cousins and stuff. It's all incest, all incest, right. all the time. Now I could be wrong here, but the show's been finished for so long. So and we, there's no need to say like spoiler alert for anything that's been out for so long. It's not like I'm um, after the whole psycho thing. And, and this is episode eight. <laughs> I don't at this point. I it's it is what it is. So Rhaenyra's first husband, who is not the actual father to her children pre-Damon, mm-hmm. pre-Matt Smith, yep. is that not him that gets on the boat with a buzz cut to oh, try to... It is. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Just, sure. making sure. yeah. just making he's sure. Just making sure. He's not dead. Right. I don't know if we're going to see him again, but he's definitely not dead. That's going to be a reveal, I can assure you of that, because his own parents think he's gone. Oh, yeah. Right. Everybody, everybody except... Uh, his boyfriend who got on the boat with him and uh, Rhaenyra and Damon think he's dead. So Rhaenyra and Damon know he's not dead. Oh yeah. The scene before the sword fight, uh, Damon is proposing this plan to the boyfriend. Like in see, like the, the two of them have a little huddle. Yeah. Uh, and he proposes the plan. Um, uh, and then the Damon, not Damon, the boyfriend and Rhaenyra's husband stage the sword fight and throw somebody else's body in, in the, the fire. fire. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. So D- Damon, Damon and Rhaenyra hatch the plan. Damon proposes it to the boyfriend and then they do it. Yeah. They, they run away. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see because that I mean that's definitely got to be some sort of you know storyline and 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 the reveal will be crazy, especially if the parents of 
Rhaenyra's first husband that, you know, that left are still, you know, alive and kicking and are very, very much in this, the latter half of season one is in regards to, you know, impact moves or um, just they're important. So with House of the Dragon, you know, before we kind of close things up here, do you feel that going into season two, are you worried at all that it's just not going to be a good show? Or do you think so, it'll still be entertaining enough that you'll watch the in, the duration of the series? I will. Uh, it would have to be really bad for me to not watch the rest of the series. It could be like regular bad. Yeah. And I re- and I'd probably watch the rest of it. Yeah. Um, season two, given the way season one ended, seems like it's set up for more fighting. Yeah. So I think the temptation that the the temptation that the game that game of thrones fell into in the last two seasons was to uh, prioritize the fighting and not the character interactions yeah except for the the night of the seven kingdoms episode which is great but they're going to have to balance the fighting with the characters and if season two is all fighting and we don't get any time like seeing how the 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 main characters are are doing having them interact that's gonna that the show's gonna suffer if it gives into the the fighting over over characters the way the way game of thrones did at the end and, um, and i think i mean i agree i agree and and as someone that did not read the books or listen to the books. It was an audio book, like 40, 50 hours. Isn't that something crazy? Oh, it's su- they're the, yeah. They're super long because yeah. the book, book five is 956 pages. I think I saw it the other day. That's why Ridiculous. the Martin having 500 pages left in book six means he's there like half done. Right now he tried he tried to publish books four and five as one like 1400 or 1600 page book. And his publisher told him no. Uh, so. That's crazy. Yeah. With house of the dragon going forward, I, I suffer from this thing where I haven't watched a second of Andor. I haven't watched some of the other shows that are out right now. If they are before something happens. So what I mean is, is like, Andor takes place before Rogue One and I've seen Rogue One and I know what happens with certain characters that are in Rogue One, right? I knew watching Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan was going to survive that series because I've seen everything else with the characters that are in House of the Dragon with the exception of the dragons. And I know Brendan's not on with us today, but I talked to him earlier this morning he talked about the dragons towards the end of when Rhaenyra's son and Allison's son, when things get unsafe in the sky, that the, the size of the dragons are different. There's a big size advantage, a la real-life Muggsy Bogues and the monster of Larry Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> okay? And are we in a situation that clearly, depending on how many years House of the Dragon, if it's going to be the full five season that you said, do you expect that when this show ends, it will lead into the beginning of Game of Thrones? No. Uh, it, it, so that's not, you don't think that's what's No, I, I expect, I expect this show to end. 
I don't know. So I don't know how much Targaryen history they're going to do. I don't know if there's going to be more time jumps, which like result in cast changes. Too much of that would be a problem, obviously, down the road. But no, I, I don't expect this to cover all whatever is 170 years. It, I expect it to cover maybe 20 or 30 or something like uh, I think the, the generation that our grandparents currently, which is like the, the queen, the princess who should have been queen, like yes. her generation. Uh, I don't know that they're going to survive next season just yeah. because of either battle warfare or age. Yeah. Like Otto Hightower. I don't know how much longer he's going to be around either because of battle or age. But the, the generation that are kids now, I expect them to be adults when the show ends. Okay. You said With, something else that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to follow it, up about, but I don't uh, I don't remember what it was. Was it about characters that you know survive certain things because of other shows? That oh yes, yes, with yes. Movies? Yeah. So watch Andor. Yeah. And if we're comparing, uh, because Andor. Kenobi, Lord of the Rings, and House of the Dragon are all prequels. Uh, Andor pulls it all pulls off the prequelness a thousand percent. Okay. House of the Dragon because it's so fo- House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings because they're so far ahead of the the first story. They're fine, like they don't interfere with the other ones. You could watch them completely separately. Uh, and there'd be some things you miss it, watching the prequel first, but it wouldn't wouldn't really change a ton. Okay. Kenobi flubs the whole like continuity thing. Yeah. Uh, so Andor Andor is the best of all of those shows. Andor. I hear Andor. I, I, I hear yeah. Andor is amazing. Yeah. Andor is better than House of the Dragon. Okay. Okay. And and Lord of the Rings. Andor doesn't have any of the pacing problems. Andor doesn't have any of the Andor doesn't have any of the pacing problems of or time jump nonsense that House of the Dragon does. Uh, Andor doesn't like shortchange the ending the way the Lord of the Rings show does. Andor doesn't have like nonsensical stuff in it the way Kenobi does. Okay. Uh, Andor is easily the best of these shows. I still have not watched the season one finale of Mandalorian or anything after that. Uh, we haven't I got, got some, to. I've got, some, got to like your last question that I know is coming, but Mandalorian season three is one of the answers to that question. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely need to do my homework in a in a way that I've never done. And I I remember I've saying this so many times on this show of I don't like binging shows. And there's a couple of times where I just haven't had a choice to get some episodes out, but I enjoyed the house of the house of the dragon, but I know that we have to wait a little bit because they're not even filming season two until some point next year, which means it could be 2024 before we get season two. And I think, I think Lord of the Rings is doing that too. I, I, that's a, that's a huge mistake by the streaming services. I know the, the money is whatever and the logistics are, are awful, but yeah. I think like you see the popularity of Westworld, I I think has tanked because, you know, the show isn't as good. It it definitely like completely changed once they left the park or whatever, but having a year in between every season or two years between some of the seasons 
re- I think really hurts. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe they think because this is a Game of Thrones show, it'll it'll like hold the audience. But if yeah. season one came out, it, season one came out in 2022. If there's two years between every show or every season, season five is going to come out in four, five, six, in like 2030. Yeah. So you're going to have people like age out of the audience. People are going to age into the demographic you want who didn't weren't old enough to watch the show at the beginning, which I, I don't think is good for the show. So those those schedules, uh, I think, are 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 not good for for content like this but for and or you got to watch it it's 12 episodes but you got to watch three at a time okay because it's three it's four sets of three connected episodes interesting interesting yeah i hear it's good i also have to watch lord of the rings which i'll get there when the time is right but we'll see as i've said so many so many times either episodes with you episodes with brendan episodes with people on the show that i've been on for either people that you know or people that you don't know. <laughs> but I always have homework when things are done. And with this being the finale, we've, we've covered everything that I wanted to cover. We covered topics that I know that are important to you when it comes to Game of Thrones because you're the person that showed it to me, topics that are important to us both, and maybe some topics that you don't like. I know you're never going to support Duke in a way that uh, even to kind of meet in the middle. And I think you'll clap for Paolo if we one day, you know, win – the NBA championship, if he's on the magic and you'll clap because you'll be happy that we have a championship in Orlando, but deep down, you're going to be like, you know, you know, we beat you twice in the last year of coach K. I, I would, st- I would still bet. I would still boo when he gets his ring. All right. That's okay. Well, that's the way to end it. So uh, <laughs> as you, as you're already, you know, this question's coming. People that listen to the show know it's coming, but before we wrap up season five of live on set, I want to thank you, Ryan, for coming on. But last question for you. Tell the listeners of Live On Set anything you're looking forward to in the world, anything pop culture related or anything else, the floor is yours. 1A, 1B, and 1C are all Star Wars. Mandalorian Season 3, Ahsoka, and Bad Batch Season 2. I'd be perfectly happy if that was it for next year. Then literally anything that's on my TV that's not blippy. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Anything that's not blippy. Love it. We had blippy on this morning for like an hour. Uh, anything that's not blippy. Is, anything uh, that's not blippy. That's what blippy. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Noble, thank you as always for coming on the show. I love having you on. That is a wrap on season five of Live On Set. That is a wrap on episode 89 of Live On Set. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ryan. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you've listened to all, 88, now the 89th episode. If you've listened to all the episodes, if you find the show along the way, if you only listen because you know Ryan is on, thank you for listening to Live On Set. Live On Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. Thank you again to Ryan. And be on the lookout for news about season six of Live On Set coming this week. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas from Ryan and I, all the listeners of Live On Set. Thank you so much. We will see you next year for season six of Live On Set. Have a great weekend as always. Much love.